welcome back. Thanks for joining us on the road to 80s Wrestling Con 4. We are just 65 days away from one of the biggest gatherings of 80s wrestling superstars to ever hit the East Coast. It's happening Saturday, May the 6th at the Men in Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. And I am counting the days because I'll be there. I want you to be there. And our special guest today, he will be there. Today we're going to connect with legendary professional wrestling referee, perhaps the most iconic professional wrestling referee of all time. In just a moment, we'll be welcoming the one and the only Earl Hebner to this live episode of 80s Wrestling the Podcast. My name is Jumping Jay, and as always, I sit across from Tommy Fast. Count Fierro. Tommy, good morning, brother. What is going on? Right down the middle, brother. One, two, three. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Welcome to another action-packed, body-slamming episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast of WJ. You got me excited for 80s Wrestling Con 4 on May the 6th. That little promo at the beginning there, man, got me hyped up. I'm ready to go right now. But before we get there, we're on the road to 80s Wrestling Con. We'll be having several guests that are going to be there on the podcast over the next several weeks. So definitely keep checking back each and every week. We should probably have a guest between now and 80s Wrestling Con. Today's guest is a special one. The most famous referee in the history of professional wrestling. Wonderful person. Awesome guy. Was just at ISPW at our show a couple of weeks ago. Please welcome Earl Hetner to the show. Earl, welcome to 80s Wrestling Podcast, sir. How are you? Good. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Hebner. Yeah, man. We're excited to have you coming up on May the 6th at the Menden Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. You get a chance to meet Earl Hetner. He will be signing autographs, taking pictures in the daytime. He will be a big part the ISPW Wrestling Show that evening. He'll be refereeing the main event for the ISPW Heavyweight title. We have a bunch of callers on hold, Jay, so let's get right into them. They want to talk to the legendary Earl Hebner. Are you there? Jumping Jay. Did you cut out already on us? Well, until Jay uh, finds out what's going on, let's talk to Earl right now. Earl, so you were just up here a couple weeks ago at ISPW at my show. You did a little something with Tommy Dreamer at the end of the show. How, how cool is it for you to still go to these independent shows nowadays? Obviously, you would, you're traveling the world for so many years with the WWE, TNA, et cetera. You still like getting out to the local shows? Yes. I tell you what, I'm enjoying the indie shows more than I ever had in my whole life. I, I just love coming out to the indie shows. That is fantastic. Well, Earl Hebner, you are an absolute legend of professional wrestling, the most iconic referee of all time, brother. And so we appreciate your time this morning. And this is a live call-in show where listeners can call in and talk to you. And the minute this show kicked off, the, the caller lines lit up. And so we're going to jump into some phone calls so, so fans can connect with you. Our first caller is a longtime friend of the show. Uh, he's from Butler, New Jersey. It is Danny. Danny, good morning. You are on live with the one and the only Earl Hebner. Tommy, jumping Jay, uh, Earl, uh, you know, pleasure to be speaking with you this morning. Uh, you know, Earl, I, you know, like I said, one of the, without a doubt, one of the biggest moments in professional history, the, the night, that main event, which drew 33 million viewers, Market Square Arena, 1988. 
uh, when you uh, showed up as the, the evil twin brother of Dave Ebner, I got to say, as a seven-year-old watching that, I could not believe what I was watching. You know, one of the biggest swerves that, you know, and, you know, you happen to be part of it. Um, going into that event, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a more I want to ask, but going into that event, uh, what was the whole, you know, mood and, like, the, the whole vibe, you know, especially, like, knowing Hogan was going to drop the title after four years? What was, you know, how did you feel going into that event? Uh, knowing that that was your that was going to be your WWF debut. Well, I was nervous as all, believe me. Out of all the things I've done in my life, I was really uh, nervous. From the time I walked through that curtain to that ring, brother, I was uh, I was sweating it. I absolutely. Um, I know there's uh, many other phone calls. Uh, out of all the matches that you ref, uh, Earl. Uh, which one stands out to you? Which one I? Which one was your favorite that you uh, got a part to referee in? Well, you know, everybody asks me that question, and and, and truthfully, as many main events as I've done in WrestleMania and pay per views, uh, it, it it's hard to me to to tell you which one was the best because all of my been in was very good, and me doing something to screw it up or make it look better or whatever it may be. But, but it, you know, everything I've ever done on my main events has been great, so it's hard for me to pick one individual with, with as many matches as I've done. Right, good, uh, good, good answer. Uh, I know there's other phone calls. Uh, Earl, it was a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to talk to you. Tommy, uh, Jumpin' Jay, I'm definitely looking forward to the – the 80s wrestling uh, lunch uh, with uh, you guys and uh, all the ca- callers uh, uh, that that call in. And uh, I, I told uh, Tommy, I texted Tommy earlier this week, Jumping Jay, uh, uh, I, in order for me to uh, make it to this luncheon, there's gotta, you got to guarantee me that there's going to be some Quake Burgers here. <laughs> I, I think we should demand <laughs> Quake Burgers. I think you're absolutely right, Danny. Hey, Danny, I might come up with you, buddy. Hey, listen, the only problem with that, though, is I heard the only problem with that, Jumpin' Jay, having Earl come out to lunch with us, I heard he always orders the most expensive steak on the menu, so we might be in trouble. We won't be in trouble, Tommy. You're picking up his bill, aren't you? (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, what's the new Tommy always picks my bill up? I can well, depend on go. Tommy. There you go. You heard that. You heard it here first on ADS Us on the podcast. I'm uh, look like I said. I'm looking forward to it, guys. Uh, you guys have a, a wonderful week uh, weekend and Earl, uh, all the love and uh, it's been an honor. You guys uh, take care. All right, Danny, thank, thank you so much, for coming, buddy. Have a great day. All right, shows off to a fantastic start with Danny from Butler being our first caller. Our next caller is a longtime friend of the show. Uh, he lives out on the West Coast in Chico, California. We call him Babyface Brian. Brian, good morning, sir. You are live with the legendary Earl Hebner. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Tommy. And uh, to Earl Hebner, thanks so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, you bet. I, I've heard some interviews from you in the past. I know you're a big fan of uh, 
uh, NASCAR and golf and, of course, wrestling. And I've, I've heard you say you haven't watched a lot of movies. Uh, it, you know, that's not how you spend a lot of your time. But I'm wondering if you ever saw Rocky Three and at least the first uh, 15 minutes of Rocky Three, where Hulk Hogan plays Thunderlips and has an exhibition match against Rocky. You know, I did see, I did see that. I don't, I'm not a big uh, movie fan, but I, uh, when it comes to people involved in things like that, I do watch that. Yeah, they do the exact same spot where he takes uh, Sylvester Stallone over his head, uh, gorilla press, and slams him out in the audience. And it always uh, w- reminds me of the uh, the main event where he did that to you and threw you into Hog- or into DiBiase and Andre's arms. Um, I've heard that you sustained uh, maybe a, a little bit of an injury on that on that bump. Um, was it something where Hogan just tossed you a little farther than expected and those guys weren't able to quite catch you? Well, when he started running, that wasn't a plan, and I knew I was in trouble. But I splintered my rotor cuff. Uh, the next day I flew home and I couldn't move my arm. So about a, uh, maybe a week later, I flew to Birmingham and uh, – uh, got it operated on down there, and they put it back together. And they said I'd be there every couple of days. I was there a week because you couldn't stop the bleeding. And that was my first appearance there. And then I spent six weeks, uh, eight, six to eight weeks in rehab. My goodness. Yeah, that's one of the scariest bumps I've ever seen a, a referee take. In fact, I'm sure that takes the cake. That one was pretty amazing. Um, other question I had for you before I get going, uh, your brother spent all those years in WWF while you were in uh, NWA. Was it something where um, did you guys choose to go into the two different federations or, or associations? How did that uh, come to be where you guys were kind of split up and, and were you always competitive growing up and, and kind of uh, competing against each other? As, as uh... Well, when we worked for NWA, George Scott was a booker. And he liked David. Him and David were real good buddies. And, and I was, too. And George went up to WWF, and uh, he was going to be the booker up there. So uh, he took my brother with him. And uh, I stayed at NWA. And then this, then when we got to do the twin deal, uh, they made me a good offer. So I went up with them, and he and I spent about 30 years together up there. Excellent. Thanks so much for uh, your time. I'll let some other callers get to you and talk to you here, but um, I really appreciate you and all you've given to the wrestling business, uh, both you and your brother. And uh, my condolences on the loss of your brother this last year. Uh, uh, you two are icons in the business. Uh, thanks again so much, Carl. We'll talk. To, I'll see you out at WrestleCon on May 6th. Okay. Thank you for calling me in, Brian. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, Brian's coming all the way from California to uh, 80s Wrestling Con 4 taking place in New Jersey on May the 6th. And so this thing is bringing fans from all over the country to one spot to meet their heroes. And one of those heroes is definitely the legendary referee Earl Hebner. We're going to keep the phone calls uh, coming, Earl. Up next is a longtime friend of the show from the New Jersey area. Mike C. Mike, good morning, brother. Welcome back. You are live with Earl Hebner. Uh, good morning, Jumpin' Jay. Good morning, Mr. Tommy Fierro. And a uh, special good morning to Mr. Earl Hebner. Thanks for joining us this morning, Earl. How is everything? Everything's great. 
Earl, it is a pleasure to speak to you again. You and I have had a chance to speak at several uh, of your recent appearances in the New Jersey area. And, you know, every time you're in the New Jersey area, it's just such a privilege to uh, get to be with you. I really do consider you one of the greatest gentlemen uh, I've ever met in the business. Um, And I would love to talk to you a little bit about your last appearance at the Avenel Show uh, for ISPW when it appeared that you had counted the new uh, of the three count for the new ISPW champion, Tommy Dreamer, before the smartest man in wrestling today, Maven, the manager of champions, who knows his rules, came in and had that decision oververse. <laughs> yeah, Maven, something else. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, Earl, the, uh, w- w- one of my favorite conversations with you that night, and I think that this is something that needs to be on the air uh, and everyone needs to hear, is I think it's time to put Earl Hebner in the Hall of Fame for the WWE, uh, acknowledging the mass amount of, of moments that you have created for us fans. And I also you know, would love to get your opinion. A conversation you and I had was you know, truly being unselfish as you are you also would recommended a group of referees go into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I would just love to, you know, have you expand a little bit further on that and your thoughts on if we would see you and some of the other mainstay referees of the Golden Era finally get their acknowledgement in the Hall of Fame. Well, the guys I'd like to see, to be honest with you, is God bless his, bless his soul, Tim White, Joey Morello, Tommy Young, uh, Nick Patrick. Uh, uh, I want to bring that here. But uh, all those guys that I named, and, and there's more that I could name, uh, we deserve to be in the Hall of Fame if they ever have one. Because you go back and look at the old days with all the guys, a lot of them I just named. We worked our butts off. We made the matches what they were. Uh, we made them exciting, and the other referees nowadays. I mean, they're they're coming along and they're doing a good job too, but it's just not like the old days. And I, you know, I think somewhere along the line, uh, uh, WWE should appreciate what what we have done back in those days, because we were just as important as anybody else in the Hall of Fame. Matter of fact, we're more important than some of the people that never wrestled us in the Hall of Fame. I completely agree, Earl, and let's hope that, you know, Triple H and, you know, the imaginary powers that be that make those kind of decisions, you know, really open their eyes and realize that uh, that every performer that went out in front in that ring was important. And there's just this glaring omission right along with demolition in the Hall of Fame is Earl Hebner, Joey Morella, and a lot of those other names that you mentioned, along with your wonderful brother. Uh, God rest yeah, his soul. Yeah, my brother so, should be in there too. I'm, I don't of, know how I forgot. Of course. <laughs> well, Earl, it is a pleasure uh, speaking with you this morning. I'm going to let some other callers get on. Uh, we always look forward to you being in New Jersey, and uh, what a great moment you provided for us fans at ISPW. Uh, the Earl had their chance. We're raining loud in 2023. So, uh, you know, after all these years, we really do appreciate everything that you've given us, Earl, and we love seeing you out in Jersey and all the other shows. Well, thank you very much, and I'll tell you what, I love Jersey. and I, I love all the people, but the biggest thing I love is those uh, 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 
diners. They're the best. We don't have them way down here where we live. But they, I can I can gain five panels of a, a weekend up there. <laughs> Good stuff, right? <laughs> All right, well, Mike. Well, thank you so much for calling in, brother. Look forward to everything coming up with ISPW and 80s Wrestling Con. Thank you so much, brother. Right, there we go, so much, Mike C. from uh, New Jersey, continuing the conversation with the legendary Earl Hebner and the calls. I'm telling you what, Earl, you are a very popular guest because the calls just keep coming in. And this next caller is actually a first-time caller to the program. His name is Y. He comes from the Washington D.C. area. Why? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. You are live with Earl Hebner. Good morning, everybody. Mr. Hebner, it was a pleasure, uh, pleasure talking to you. I, I grew up, um, well, I guess, very, very, very early 80s, and, um, you know, watching you and your brother and all that, it's an honor to talk to you. Uh, I, question, I, I was just recently watching uh, on YouTube old NWA matches. Hello? Hello? Hi, can you hear me, sir? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I I was watching an old, old, old NWA uh, uh, on YouTube when they had it in that little studio. And I, I, were were you there back in the early 80s, too? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. All right. And I, I grew up, uh, grew up watching NWA at the Richmond Coliseum, and then of course the WWF over at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland, and um, you know that that's I guess I, that's where that's that's where it was back then, man. I couldn't couldn't get away from it. I'd set my alarm to watch it on Saturday mornings on our local channel, and um, always you know always see you over there, and um, that was uh, it was that, that that was when it was fun to watch. Well, thank you. Uh, the, uh, the other question I had for you is um, that one episode where I, I I can't think of where or where it was. I guess when you and your brother switched places in the ring. That was in Indianapolis, uh, Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay, okay, great. Is that what you're great, talking great. about? Uh, the Hulk Hogan deal. Yes, that, yes, yes, yes. That that what it was. I, and I tell you what. I saw that and I'm like, what the heck was that? I di- I didn't know, so that was that was that was, <laughs> that was definitely definitely a great time. Um, but I yeah I I, I uh, definitely grew up watching you guys and um, you know really really enjoyed uh, enjoyed it back then and you know just to thank you guys for making it such such a fun fun time such a good you know good stories to watch and anticipate the next one and I really really enjoyed it. You, you guys definitely. Uh, you know you and uh, your brother and I and I and, and I apologize I didn't know your brother has passed and condolences to the family but it was you guys were uh, were definitely uh, definitely great to watch. Well, thank you so much. Um, and uh, Tommy and Jay, I kind of caught off guard, man, getting on the air. I, you know, but uh, thank you for thank you for taking my call and I definitely now now look forward to you know talking to you guys, talking to your guests, and definitely want to go. Uh, Take my son, who's 12, which that was in my prime when I was watching wrestling. Take him to take him to you guys' store, meet everybody, and see what you have. My my brother and I grew up watching uh, watching that. Uh, I guess a question to you guys: are, are you do you guys ever like you know do any NWA related like from the Mid Atlantic Worldwide Wrestling, maybe Georgia Wrestling that that era? Well, we, Tommy we, and I we typically we're, yeah yeah yeah. 
I was going to say, Tommy and I are typically WF fans, and that's kind of what we grew up on, and that's kind of where our passion is. We have tiptoed into the other territories, into the other areas, and so if there ever is a topic that you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach out to us on our social media because we are not against covering those things. We are just most knowledgeable about things related to the World Wrestling Federation. Is that fair to say, Tommy? Absolutely, 100%. We'll definitely cover NWA again in the future, no doubt about it. Well, well, I, I, I hope I consider myself a mid-Atlantic worldwide wrestling expertise, expert, subject matter expert for you guys because that's I used to love that. I, I, as a kid, I used to drink coffee to stay up 1 o'clock in the morning to watch it on the local channels. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is so, awesome. You know, uh, but, but, yeah, no, WWF also, is, you know, back then it was great with the Bob Backlund and, you know, all that. So, I, I mean, I, I really look forward to talking to you guys, and I really appreciate you taking my call. And, Mr. Abner, it was a, pl- it was a pleasure to talk to you, sir. But thank you, sir. All right, guys, thank take you, it easy. I'll let the other calls go on. All right. All right, guys. Yes. Much love from the D.C. area. Hey, we appreciate that. And, yes, please call again in the future. We always love hearing uh, fresh takes from new voices here on the show. Um, up next is a guy who's been on the show since the very beginning. Uh, interesting character in himself. We call him Toto Tom. Toto Tom, good morning. Welcome back to the show. You're live with Earl Hebner. Five-star caller, Toto Tom. Tom, good morning. You're live with Earl Hebner. Yeah, I wasn't introduced properly. I'm the five-star call. Anyway, Mr. Hebner, I saw something last night on television on AEW. I don't know if you follow the product or not, but there was a ladder match. And during the end of the match, the wrestler you know, went to the top of the ladder while the referees were holding the ladder in place. My question to you is... Is that something that you think a referee should get involved with? Well, it's it's kind of it's it's a it's a one way or the other. Uh, it, sometimes you, it, it you have to do that because the ladder won't won't stand up at a fall, so you sort of try to help a little bit. But it, it, I don't see anything wrong with it because it's like. Uh, it's impossible to to get done what they want to do and 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 not be a hand, helping hand in, in in a couple of spots. I was also at another show this past weekend where a referee was helping uh, a wrestler bring chairs into the ring and tables. Is that going so far? Yeah, now I wouldn't do that. And I don't know why they done it. It's, it's just stupid because it's not their job. The ladder's a different story because you're way up in the air, six, eight feet, ever what the ladder is, and you can and you need to help a little bit with that. But as far as bringing his 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 shit in the ring, that's his job, not 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 mine. Now a couple of weeks ago, you were at the <laughs> IW show in Avenel, New Jersey, and I want to know: Did you hear the crowd chanting your name? And if so, how did that make you feel? Well, it made me feel good, and uh, you know, because uh, you know me, if it's a screw job, I'm gonna do it. There you have. It. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you firsthand, Earl, because uh, it was my show you're at when Earl came out to make the three counts. I, I, I visually, I visually set up in everyone's head. 
there was a referee bump. Uh, Bull had uh, Bull had his opponent pinned, Tommy Dreamer. No referee. Uh, Maven gets involved. Tommy gets up. Danny Morrison gets involved. Tommy on top. No referee. The crowd knew Earl was there in the building. Started started chanting Earl Hefner, and he came out. And no joke. You ever heard about the Road Warrior pop jumping, Jay? Well, New Jersey, we call it the Earl Hefner pop now, right, Earl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Earl, thank you so much for taking a little time with us this morning here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing you once again on Saturday, May the 6th, at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey, for 80s Wrestling Con, followed by ISW Rock and Wrestling. Earl, I hope you have a great day, and uh, we look forward to seeing you up here in May. Okay. Anything you'd like to say to your fans out there before you, you head out? What's that? I say anything you'd like to say to your fans before you head off? Well, the uh, only thing I can say is that uh, uh, thank you all for welcoming me to New Jersey, and uh, that's going to be a hell of a show on May the 6th. And if you miss it, you're missing a great opportunity to see some of the best there is up there. So I advise all you people, get your tickets early because it's going to go straight to the wall, straight to the ceiling. Thank you so much, Earl. I hope you have a great day. Thanks again for coming on. Okay, thank you guys very much. All right. All right, there bye-bye. We- Legend. Legendary. Icon of the like, ring, Tommy. What's that? Yeah, so there was a little there's a little uh it was a little hard at a couple of times I believe he didn't realize there was some background noise in his end. But uh, I'm happy that he was able to hear uh all the questions that were being asked and, 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 and answer them. It was great Adam. I could have kept him on literally uh for a couple hours, uh, just talking to him about different memories and stuff, but uh, he said he had about a half hour to do it, so I didn't want to keep him too long. But uh, I heard through the grapevine that there might be someone else uh, calling up to uh, join us uh, momentarily. Yeah, listen, while we were, while I was taking calls, getting ready for people to talk to Earl Hebner, there was a very interesting character uh, that was waiting on the line. He said he wanted to talk to us uh, once Earl was done, and so I'm going to give them a call, give that guest a call, Tommy. We're going to bring him live on the air. I don't know if you want me to tell you who it is yet, or if you just want to be surprised when they pick up the phone. I'll be surprised when, when when he picks up the phone. All right, we're dialing now. So he's gonna pick up live on the on the on the air. This is risky, man. This is risky. This is risky podcast right here. Well, whoever picks up, I, I hope it's no one I owe money to. Well, we're gonna find out. We have a very special guest joining us live on '80s Wrestling, the podcast. It's the one and the only Ace Darling. Ace, good morning, sir. It's the man who shows up to every 80s con event and never gets advertised, ever. <laughs> what's going on, man? How are you? Good. Just wanted to say hello to you guys, see what's going on there. I love the show, so I wanted to uh, just drop a line and say hello. Yeah, man, I'm happy you came out. We just had Earl Hepner on, and uh, he was telling me how you were trying to hit him up for some autographs. Uh, <laughs> t-shirt at the last 80s round. Well, I wanted to know how much how much was the plastic surgery the million dollar man had to pay to make it look like the other referee. See, see, this is why we need this is why we need Jumpin' Jay, Ace Darling on the podcast because he's going to ask those hard hitting questions <laughs> that I, I just don't have the, the 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 guts to ask. And anyone out there, by the way, 
that is on YouTube, and obviously everyone is on YouTube. Now, Ace Darling, if you're not familiar with Ace, ask, first of all, he's my best friend in the world. He's the father, uh, the father, godfather of my daughter, and also was one of, if not the, biggest name independent wrestler on the Northeast in the 90s and early 2000s. And uh, anyhow, um, he does a YouTube channel now called Wrestling Then and Now. And when I tell you guys, he provides a ton of free content on several times a week, actually. He's been interviewing tons of guys, uh, exclusive content and exclusive interviews that you're only going to see on his channel. And it's called Wrestling Then and Now. So anyone out there listening live right now, or if you're listening to this on demand on any podcast app, just go onto YouTube right now, type in Wrestling Then and Now. It's run by my best friend. Does a great job. Has a lot of content coming up, a lot of interviews coming up. And he'll be doing some exclusive stuff as well at 80s Wrestling Con. And uh, please give him a follow. Thanks, I would appreciate Thanks, it very much. Thank you, brother. Listen, Ace, as long yeah, as we have you that. on, as long as we have you on, Ace, I, I've, I've been having a question I've been wanting to ask you. Now, you are, if, if, if my knowledge of ISPW is correct, you are a three-time former ISPW heavyweight champion. Five times. Five, five, five times. Tommy. You've got to get off your Wikipedia, brother. We've gotta, Tommy, we've don't gotta, you test these people before they come on the show? I, I failed the, the screen test. But Ace, my question is still the same. As a legendary champion of ISPW, what is your take on the current landscape of ISPW? Uh, I think it's in good hands right now. I like uh, a lot of the roster. I think Rick Recon's a great talent. I think uh, Crowbar is unstoppable. Uh, I think Bull Dempsey, uh, Bull James is great. Uh, you know, I don't want to start naming names because I need to leave people out. Uh, yeah, you got the Now is an awesome tag team. You got Mike Mars, who's a great veteran. Uh, H.C. Woke's a good, you know, a good solid performer. I think you get a lot of great guys on the roster. Again, if I keep mentioning them, I'm going to leave people out. So, but uh, I enjoy it. It's a great show. It's a great time. I'll I'll very what, I, I got a question. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I, I have a question for you, Jumpin' Jay. So if we can rewind the uh, – Rewind the clock, and, and, and it'd be 1999 with Ace Darling in his prime. Who would you put him up against? Who would you like to see him up against on today's roster of ISPW? See, that's a, it's a very interesting thought because being Ace Darling and, and watching the action in the ring, even though your career inside the squared circle, uh, that, that's, that's behind you. You're retired. I'm sure you're enjoying retirement. You're very busy with YouTube and other things, but I got to believe that the itch or maybe the desire is still there. And I know Ace has probably asked himself this question. I think a bigger question that you could ask me, Tommy, is who on the roster would I not like to see Ace Darling step into the ring against? I think him and Danny Morrison could tear the roof off the place. I think him and Bull James would be incredibly exciting crowbar even though he's getting up there in age i think you mentioned last episode he's getting close he's knocking on 50 he's putting forward some of the best matches of his career in my opinion i think a prime if you put ace darling in his prime in the ring i don't know if there's anybody on the current roster that could stop him tommy now i'll tell you a name tommy and this might surprise you but if i had to pick one guy right now to wrestle on your roster it would be vic from the now not Vic. Um, wow. Vic. Vic from the now and Hale from the now in singles matches. I like to wrestle okay. both those guys. 
No, no, you, you wanted to wrestle one of them, and you felt like shit that you said the wrong guy's name. Now you have to say you wanted to wrestle both of them. That's, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> Anyhow, well, uh, let's continue. So listen, while we got you anyway, on, this yeah. unexpected. Which I got to run, so yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you have to run now. <laughs> oh, Two minutes, okay. go. Well, I go. appreciate you stopping in and saying hello, buddy. No, brother, go, 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 go. Don't. No, 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 it's okay. You get back to your work, my friend. Well, we'll be, we'll be okay. <laughs> I was going to say real quickly before you go, if you can tell the, uh, the story, not really story, but uh, back during the WCW Nitro days, you just mentioned Crowbar. He was Devin Storm. And, and Devin and Ace were called the Extreme. And they were in WCW for a little bit. They're the only tag team uh, outside of, like, a huge – you know, big name team that you would have return matches for. They wrestled Hall and Nash right in the height of their popularity twice on uh, Monday Nitro. My question for you is, what was like? What was it like going into that? You know, you're on national TV. Nitro's super red hot right now. You're against the two hottest guys in the company, and then I think I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was like two or three weeks later, you did the same. Uh, match again. What was it like the second time when you went there? Like, can you believe? Like, holy shit! Can we we're working these guys again? And just the overall experience of just being in uh, live TV on Monday Night during the height of Monday Night Raw. Um, honestly, I would rather wrestled like Public Enemy on a Saturday night than Hall and Nash on a live Night Raw. If I'm being honest, just because you get more of a chance to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, hey, if I said if if I didn't do it, there'd be a million guys who'd want to do it. So uh, I was happy to be there. Nice and simple. So I'm going to – listen, this is what I'm going to do. Since you did such an amazing job uh, getting over Hall and Nash on Nitro, I'm going to I'm gonna team you up with one of my local guys and have you guys put over the now. Probably if you want to work them both so bad, uh, we'll have them do a little quick two-minute match at the next ISPW show, all right? Nice. If I'm not there, start without me. Listen, is there is and, there and, a and chance we'll, that Ace Darling steps back into the ISPW ring, or are those days firmly behind you? Zero chance. Zero chance. Okay. He will He will be in the ring again, I promise you, but it'll only be to wave to the fans of wrestling, that's all. <laughs> and, and, real, and real quickly, before you go, Mike, I have to leave. Uh, you know, Jay over here is pumping you up, saying there's no one on my roster that I can beat you because Jumpin' Jay's going to be at 80s Wrestling Con on May 16th. He knows you're going to be there, so he doesn't want to you know, have any conflict with you. That's why he's putting you over Obviously. on the podcast. So. Well, yeah, listen, I makes sense. Listen, man. I already took away two of his championship reigns by saying he was a three-time champ, so I don't need any more heat with his darling when I roll into his state. Yeah, if you, if you think, so the question is if East Darling is ever going to be in an ISPW ring, and he will be against you in a arm wrestling <laughs> challenge at AEW Wrestling Con. Awesome. You want to do it, Ace? No. Uh, I'll wave. Okay. I'll do the waving. I'll do, I'll do the waving. Awesome. You will wave. Come see uh, East Darling Wave at 80s Wrestling Con and ISPW following. Michael, you get awesome. back to work, my friend. It was great having you on the podcast, and I'll be texting you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you so much All for right. calling. Tommy, we need to have Ace on as a, as a, a full-hour guest one day. Of course. I feel like he, I feel like he could a tell cor- us some stories. A correspondent. A correspondent. <laughs> yeah. There you, you sure go. Kid. I, I, I could tell you some stories, too, so ask away. You could tell me some stories? Listen, I would love to know. Sure, like, you have, just brought up have, the fact. Let's, let's, have story, 
Let's have story time with Tommy. He, you just brought up the fact that Ace Darlin uh, wrestled Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Now, you can't tell me that there's got to be some behind the scenes. Like, w- was there a conversation before they went out to the curtain? Like, what kind of interactions did they have? Things like that would be very interesting to know. That's the side of the business that guys like me don't get to see. You get to see it because you run your own independent uh, promotion. But guys like me, we don't know what happens on the other side of the curtain. And so a peek behind the curtain would be an awesome show. And let's, and let's, keep, it, let's, let's keep it that way. Because I'm bringing I'm bringing kayfabe back, brother. Hey, listen, somebody needs to do it. Hats off to you. I think kayfabe would make the business so much better. And so, yeah, uh, when I'm in New Jersey and I try to sneak into the locker room, feel free to have Ace Darlin es- escort me back to my seat. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. So, I'm so much into when I when I say I'm going to bring kayfabe back, I really mean it. I miss and you, and you saw recently as headlines. The Undertaker even said he, he, you know, he, he mourns the days of, you know, KFA being gone. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I'm so into that. Like, no one knows. You can ask my guys on my roster. You can ask my fans to come to the ISPW shows. No one knows what's going to happen at ISPW shows. Only I know. And I, so, so, so much as backstage, Jay, where you have the lineup sheet, like who's coming out first, who's coming out second, like the, the match order, and you know, and and I, I can I can leak this because I'm not really leaking this because people have seen pictures of the, pictures of this posted online in the past from different shows where you know the, the the wrestler's name is underlined in the locker room on the on the on the board. So I mean, I'm not giving away any you know secrets or tricks of the trade, but uh, for my main event matches, I never ever ever underline the winner because I do not want anyone knowing what the finish of my main event match is. And that's why usually at the end of every ISW show, it's cliffhanger uh, ending. And I do that on purpose because, you know, you look back like nowadays, like you watch wrestling and you watch a three hour roll or a two, a two hour SmackDown or a two hour, you know, AEW or whatever you're watching. One thing that's really, 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 badly missing is that cliffhanger ending. I remember back in the days of the Attitude Era where it was Stone Cold Steve Austin and um, Mystic Man, they were doing their, their thing every week. I mean, you were literally at the edge of your couch, biting your fingernails. You couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next because the show just went off the air and fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin just gave the Stone Cold Thunder to his boss. What's going to happen next week? How is Vince McMahon going to get revenge on Stone Cold? And how is Stone Cold going to counteract that? You couldn't wait to tune in to Monday Night Raw the following week to, to see what was going to happen next. So I, I try and bring that element to the ISW shows where there's always some way, somehow, uh, controversy or cliffhanger ending or a, a continued story, much like why soap operas are still so popular nowadays. Uh, I mean, all these years later, you know, you watch the show and then you, the show was up there like, wow, oh, your doors are up there. You can't wait to see what's happening next. You got to tune in the next day. Same thing like any, you know, uh, TV series, anything. It's the element of grabbing your attention and, and taking you for a roller coaster ride. And uh, hopefully I didn't talk too long and too much and you understand what I'm saying. Oh, I, I absolutely pick up what you're laying down, Tommy. And, and I have a follow-up question for you. 
like Monday Night Raw happened every Monday night. And so every week, so they had about a week that they, to tell these stories. Yes, SmackDown exists, and yes, house shows exist in between, but for the large percentage of the viewing audience, Monday night was Monday night. And a week is not a long time by any means if, if you're trying to create magic. But they had a week in between. As the popularity of ISPW grows, you're going to be booking shows, multiple shows a week. Like how much more does that add to your plate as long-term booking and stuff when you don't necessarily have a week in between shows and you don't have to reveal everything, but like, how does that come into play? You know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a perfect question to ask because um, it's funny that you say that because I just, I behind the scenes, I've been working really hard to get a bunch of more shows for ISBW. We're doing our shows as fundraisers. Uh, we do them for schools. We do them for PTAs and PTOs, fire departments, police departments, youth sports, churches, any local nonprofit organization in the New Jersey area that's looking to raise money. We bring our, fan, our, our fan, family-friendly product to them. And it's, it's funny that you say that about running multiple shows because I actually have um, five shows booked for May and have five shows booked for June. And the new model of how we're going to do ISPW is it's going to be a uh, touring show. It's kind of like, you know, kind of like uh, the Harlem Wizards. If you live in the New Jersey area, you know they do fundraisers for, you know, various schools and police departments and fire departments. And it's a, it's a family-friendly show. And, uh, yeah, because if you're doing multiple days in, in different locations, I mean, New Jersey is about three hours apart. So you're doing something in North Jersey uh, compared to South Jersey. It's going to be hard to get someone that's two and a half hours away to come up for a storyline uh, up in North Jersey. But uh, you, you just kind of keep try and keep as much similarity as, as the storylines go and the, and the characters go. But uh, more of a like a like a, a show as far as like uh, like a, you go to the circus, you know, an event like that. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense or no? Oh, absolutely. And that is the exact kind of family friendly entertainment that people that we need. That we can go out, we can escape the realities of day to day life, and we can just kind of get engaged and, and enthralled with what's going on uh, in front of us. And I'm assuming. I mean, you have a gigantic ISPW show coming up May the 6th following 80s Wrestling Con for ISPW Presents Rock and Wrestling. My assumption is you got to treat that as one of your, your big shows, maybe even your version of the WrestleMania. That's your Super Bowl for ISPW. And so I'm, if I understand your brain, you're already booking, you already know uh, what kind of stories you want to tell leading up to that. And that's going to put the exclamation point on some of these storylines that you're creating. Is that kind of how you view a big event like that? It's your uh, must see big event. And then everything else kind of leads up to that. Uh, to a certain extent. And I'm only saying that And yet yeah, the, the short answer is yes. That's our biggest event of the year uh, after eighties wrestling con. Uh, however, this year is a little bit different than last year. This year, I really, if you look at the lineup, it's on the, the website also, by the way. Anyone that wants to see the lineup for that show, head over to 80swrestlingcon.com. Now, one of the things I try to do, because since we do have, Jay, fans literally from all over the world coming to 80s Wrestling Con. And again, last year was you know, over 35 states and, and I believe nine or ten different countries. Um, they might not be familiar with our local base of guys in this New Jersey area. Sure, they probably know, you know, Crowbar and they know Maven and they know 
Bull James probably and, and, and Danny Morrison, but some of the hot up-and-coming guys in this area, like a Rick Recon or a Vicious Vicky, they might not be as familiar with them. So what I wanted to do was, and, and I do have all my guys still on, on the show at nighttime, but I wanted to really, you know, beef up the nighttime lineup. We have Carlito against Valvinas. We have Fandango against Eugene. The Powers of Pain are coming out of retirement to wrestle against the now. We have Crowbar going one-on-one with uh, Harry Smith, David Boy Smith Jr. for the first time ever. We have a lot of big matches, a lot of big names on the show. And I did that, including Earl as the special guest referee for the ISPW heavyweight title match with Bull James against Rick Recon. And then also in that, Maven and Dave LaGreca will be handcuffed to each other. And a uh, New York Giants Super Bowl champion, Jay Alford, will be the outside the ring enforcer. So even for that match, the ISW title match, you know, with all the bells and whistles with Earl in there and the New York Giant player and the handcuffs, it makes that match seem larger than life on a show that has all these big names on it. So it, I, being very – you got to book it really creatively to make it stand out, in my opinion. And I think we definitely did that. Uh, with the title match, and uh, I think with all those big names on it, it's going to be hard for the fans that are coming out of the area to turn down staying there to watch the show at nighttime. They're already in the building. They already they already flew to New Jersey, all right? So, I mean, here's a show uh, literally right after the convention's over with all these talents that they do know. So I, I think that I'm really curious to see uh, the turnout and the, the reaction for the show this year. Well, I think it's going to be huge because one of the things I, I loved about the con last year is you have the wrestling ring set up in the dead center of the of the convention. So as you're walking around all day, taking it all in, visiting the vendors, uh, meeting your superstars, there's this ring. And so it just kind of creates this ambiance that uh, something exciting is going to happen. And the fact that you've tightened up uh, the show now starts immediately following the cons. So there's not a, a space in between. So people aren't going to you know, say, I'm going to go grab a bite to eat, and then they don't come back. They're going to stay there because the action is going to start. They see the ring all day. And so I think it's a recipe for success. Uh, and like you said, that's a huge card for ISPW Rock and Wrestling. A lot of huge names, a lot of special uh, stipulations, a lot of cool things happening. Uh, I'd love to ask you a question, Tommy. Earlier in this conversation, you mentioned something about the match order and kind of de- deciding uh, what order you structure the event. That in itself is very intriguing to me, and I bet a lot of creativity and a lot of thought goes into that. But the question I want to ask is, how do you, as uh, the guy in charge, decide who comes through the curtain first? You know, as a kid, if you were a champion, the champion always came out second, and maybe the heel comes out first in a non-title match. But I've noticed in in the world of wrestling today, they really switch it up. And just because you have a belt doesn't mean you're going to be introduced second sometimes you come to the ring first i would love to know your insight as to how do you determine who walks through that curtain first good question very good question so i always have the hail the bad guy they they come out first always even if they're the champion no no no. as as i was say unless they are the ispw heavyweight champion the champion always comes out second so okay. Bull James, obviously, with, with Maven is our, our top heel. 
in the company right now, and he comes out second. But other other than that, all the heels come out first, and uh, then the, then the good guys come out second. I like that, and that again is that kind of that old school mentality of telling the good guy versus the bad guy story, uh, like you were talking about. Uh, follow up question: If you have two guys like Carlito and Val Venus, who's going to be going against each other at the Rock and Wrestling event. I'm assuming both of them are going to get cheers from the fans just because people know who they are and they're excited to see them. Do you necessarily put one as a heel and one as a baby face or do they just go in and tell uh, just a, a story of kind of like, kind of like a two baby face match? How do you, uh, how do you go about setting up a match like that with two former WWE stars that people know? Yeah. That's a re- another really good question. Not only are they two former WWE stars that people know, there are two former WWE Intercontinental Champions. Was Carlito, I believe Carlito was the Intercontinental Champion, right? I know he was yeah. U.S. Champion. But, so two former title holders in WWE. But, yeah, a situation like that's a little bit different because they're both going to get that, that uh, babyface reaction because they're established stars. So I, it doesn't matter to me which, which order comes out first because I'll tell you what, you know, if the show kicks off and you hear you know, the, the first match of the night when you get the 80s wrestling con, and you can imagine, like, the music hits and, you know, you got spit in the face of people that don't want to be mm. cool. The place is going to erupt. Or, yes. Yes. or you start the show, hello, lady. And, that, and the people <laughs> are going to pop. It's a win-win. That's it's a true. win-win situation because when they hear the first note of either one of those songs, they're so recognizable that it's going to get a, a good reaction either way. So, yeah, you can you, – with, with that match – and this, this, that was a very good question, Jay. Uh, with that match, you can literally uh, flip a coin. No, that, and you explained that fantastic. Like you said, either way, you're going to get uh, a reaction out of the crowd. And so I'm excited for 80s Wrestling Con 4 and Rock and Wrestling. My family is excited. Uh, and I just got to believe that the closer we get, the more the momentum is going to build. If we can transition just briefly away from ISPW and 80s Wrestling Con and back to maybe we, – we've touched on it briefly in the past episodes, the current product, the current landscape of the world wrestling entertainment. A lot of us talked about what's going to happen with Sami Zayn and the bloodline. You had some awesome creative uh, options that you laid out for us. If I'm assuming that you, you watched uh, the Elimination Chamber or know the results. I'm, I'm wondering – What's your take on, on what they chose to do so far with Sami Zayn and the Bloodline? Yeah, man, I, I, did, I did watch it and, and, and I, I paid very close attention uh, to that match and to the finish of that match. I, I'll tell you what, man, I think they did as about as good of a job as they possibly could, all things considering. Because like I said uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast before that match, um, they kind of booked themselves into a corner. I don't think they realized Sammy was going to get so over uh, with that crowd, with that storyline. That's a testament not only to, to how great Roman is to get Sammy so over, but just uh, Sammy you know, really stepping up and, and taking ownership of that character story. So uh, they did as good of a job as they possibly could with it. Uh, you know, if, if the end result is going to be Roman against Cody, and, uh, you know, if Sammy is not a part of that, if it's not going to be two nights of Roman defending the title or a three-way, I guess they did as good a job as they possibly can do. I mean, they, they, it's a really tough situation to be in creatively. 
Uh, I wouldn't want to be in that situation because, you know, obviously Cody is extremely over with that audience as well. The only problem is, and I said this in the past on the show, is that even the way they did that finish at Elimination Chamber, it leaves the door still open for that Sammy uh, Roman storyline. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, and, and the fans obviously over the last six months have been uh, longer, have been so emotionally attached to that entire storyline that it's hard. And I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and uh, phrase this in a different way because I remember last year I said something about you know. You, you you can't wait to see Breaking Bad, but tonight, uh, Bigger Bad's premiere episode, but tonight's the finale of The Sopranos. It's hard to, uh, you know, all those emotionally connected fans with that angle and storyline, it's hard to just grab them all, put them on the exact opposite side. Okay, well, now it's Cody mm-hmm. when there's unresolved business between Sammy and Roman. Even if they make it a tag match, which I think they're going to do or whatever they're going to do, um, I, I think that the, the crowd, and, and it's not going to be Cody's fault whatsoever. Uh, I think the crowd, some of them are going to revolt against the idea that it's Cody and not Sammy. And, and they shouldn't because, you know, Cody's playing with the cards he was dealt with. I think that uh, it's a, a great story also with Cody and, and, and Roman and, you know, his, you know, his chase for the, 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 the top of the mountain. So, yeah, man, I wouldn't want to be in that situation as far as booking goes. I'm, it's, I mean, again, at the end of the day, dude, it's a good thing when you when when you have options. That's a good thing. So they they had several different options of what they can do with the WrestleMania main event. Uh, so yeah, I mean, overall, I'm sure they're happy that they have options this year. Listen, that hometown crowd at Elimination Chamber was on fire for Sami Zayn and with the false finishes that crowd if he would have went over at Elimination Chamber that crowd would have absolutely exploded the roof off of that place and so my thought is if they were going to put the title on Sami that would have been the time to do it that would have been the time you got the biggest reaction I'm feeling like they're more invested in a Cody Rhodes champion than they are a Sami Zayn uh, champion but like you said they left the door open so we really don't know how it's going to play out no, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it does. So, again, that's a good thing when, you know, you're still, you know, following and paying attention to everything. So I'll be, it'll be, really, I'll be really curious to see what they do the next few weeks leading into WrestleMania. I guess we'll start seeing how the, the entire picture and the entire story, how it's going to unfold. But, um, it, it, again, it, for them, it's a good thing. That's right. Uh, as we round uh, third base, heading for home on this episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, Tommy, fill me in, man. What is going on in your world? Uh, what is happening? When's the next ISPW show? What's going on at the the Wrestling Collector Superstore there in New Jersey? Fill me in. What's happening? Just uh, going crazy, getting everything lined up for ISPW events these next several months, uh, trying to get all that out of the way in the next week or two so I can fully concentrate and get on the road to 80s wrestling con myself. Right now, I said we're booking uh, all of our, you know, spring dates. We're going to start booking some summer dates and, believe it or not, some fall dates already. So uh, I'm going to probably next week or so, I'll be working really hard nonstop on ISPW events and stuff and then switch gears straight to the road to 80s wrestling con on uh 
on Saturday, May the 6th. And I'll tell you what, Jumpin' Jay, I'm looking forward to you coming up here because Jumpin' Jay is coming up a couple of days early, and we're going to actually have a 80s Wrestling the Podcast luncheon two days before 80s Wrestling Con on Thursday, May the 4th. Anyone that lives in the New Jersey area that listens to our show or that's coming from out of town, like Babyface Brian, who will be at the luncheon as well. There is a restaurant directly across the street from the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. They have great food. They have drinks. So anyone out there that would like, they're going to come to the a party as well. So it's going to be a good time, my man. I am looking forward to it. That is going to be such a fun time to meet uh, meet people in person, put some faces uh, with some voices, and just kind of hang out and talk about uh, 80s wrestling in general and, and get ready for the con two days later. And so uh, that was very nice of you to put that together, and I am looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Listen, I, I'm sorry. I said, I said, I think I said March was May 4th, May 4th, two days before 80s wrestling con. And guess what? Jumpin' Jay's going to pick up the bill. So anyone of you in New York, Pennsylvania, no matter where you're at, north or south, come for a complimentary lunch and drink from the million-dollar man, Jumpin' Jay. I, I promise I will pick up the tab, and I will walk it over to Tommy Fierro and place it right down in front of him, and he'll take care of it. You, you dirty dog. Listen, <laughs> hopefully everyone out there has a, uh, a great weekend. Jumpin' Jay, I'm going to be working on getting another guest, uh, someone that is a part of 80s Wrestling Con, on the podcast next week and every week leading to 80s Wrestling Con again on Saturday, May the 6th, Men in Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. Jumpin' Jay, hope you and your family have a great weekend. Everyone listening at home, have a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.